have your Bible with you or you'd like to use one in the back of the pew in front of you, turn with me to the, to the book of Galatians, the New Testament book of Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 and 23. If you're a guest with us or just back from the end of, sum, end of summer, we are working our way through the fruit of the Spirit. We're really close to being finished. This morning we're going to be talking about the fruit of gentleness, uh, but before we get into that, I want to catch everyone up on a, a few things. Again, next week we will close our series in the fruit of the Spirit, talk about self-control, and then in two weeks, Labor Day weekend, we will have an, a monumental opportunity to worship the Lord together with our brothers and sisters from Rooted Church Again, in a joint service at 1015. If you missed out on the news, just coming back from summer, uh, we have opened our arms to a sister church, a local church plant in Joplin, to share the building and resources with us uh, starting in September. We're going to worship together Sunday, September 4th. And then the next week, September 11th, which is our 140th anniversary 140 years after we became a church plant, we are going to share a building with a church plant. And our worship service will be at 10.45 a.m. We will also have Sunday school at 9.30 a.m. That is starting September 11th. Trying to make that crystal clear so that you can show up on time and know what to expect. God is going to use this beyond what you can expect, and your imagination. And it wasn't planned this way, but it's worked out perfectly. Brothers and sisters, God has put these fruits on our minds this summer because we are going to get an opportunity to display them. Starting September 4th and 11th, you get to be loving and joyful and peaceful and patient and kind and good and gentle and faithful, and exercise self-control, and all of those fruits as God brings new experiences our way, and it is going to be for God's glory. I'm excited about that. As we jump into this passage, I just need to say this on the front end. God does what he does so that he gets the glory, and it's been really good. If you've missed some in this series, vacation or whatever, you need to go back and listen to each one. Pastor Brian got to preach on joy. He already shared how he felt about that. Last week, the young gun in our midst, Brother Dakota, got to share about faithfulness and told us about how hard that was as a young guy to be encouraging an older crowd on faithfulness. Well, now it's my turn. And by God's sovereign plan, I am going to share with you about the fruit of gentleness and I'll just tell you right now, my wife's doing nursery by God's sovereign wisdom, too, because if she was sitting in here, she'd either be laughing or crying. I'm not sure which one. I've not had a very gentle morning. But I'm here to tell you about a gentle God and a gentle Savior, hopefully by a gentle spirit, so that we can bear fruit and look a little more like Jesus together. All that in mind, let's read Galatians chapter 5. Verse 22 to 23, this is the word of the Lord. 
But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. We like to think of ourselves as people of the book. It's in our DNA. First couple of sentences in all of our documents is some statement of conviction that we stand on the authority of the Word of God. We believe in the inerrancy of Scripture that every word is profitable and perfect as given by the Holy Spirit to the original authors. We believe that it is what dictates our life and our decisions. And we would like to think of ourselves as people who really believe the Bible. Amen? Okay. Well, then how come we've got so many crazy Christian myths that we hold on to? Now, they really show up at holidays. I could get in some real trouble, and I'm probably going to. I'll just tell you. But we hold on to some myths, for sure. One, you look at the way our paintings display our Savior. Well, let's just stop right there. Pretty sure one of the Ten Commandments is no images. Right? By the book. But we like to paint some images of a blonde-haired, blue-eyed, white American Jesus. Friends, that is a myth. Hate to break it to you. I had another one for you, and I promise you, I'm just blinking right now. If you remember, you can tell me. There we go. Okay, let's get to some holidays. Appreciate it, Pastor Brian. I've already told you this, so I'm not going to get in trouble on this one. You will not find a single wise man at my house on Christmas. Right? We believe the book, apparently. But even though Matthew clearly tells us that the wise men had ascertained that Jesus was about two years old and they show up not at a manger but at a house to find two-year-old Jesus at Christmas time, bring in those myths. Let's sing We Three Kings, because it makes us feel good. I don't know. We don't even know that there's three of them, but we're by the book. Come on, here we go. And then we get to the single most important holiday day ever in the history of the church. If we didn't have this, then we wouldn't have the Christian faith. If there is no resurrection, it doesn't even matter that Jesus died because we'd still be dead in our sins. The resurrection is the reason we come to church on Sunday. It's the reason that we have hope for a future. But then in our parenting, we decide that's not good enough news, that we need some mythological rabbit to make the day worth celebrating. But we're by the book. Yeah, I said it. I'm going to save some other conversations for you later. 
friend, 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7, Paul tells Timothy, have nothing to do with irreverent, silly myths. Nothing. Now, why am I going here? Well, I kind of like stepping on some, you know, Easter toes. But that's not why. It's because we come up with some irreverent, silly myths about the fruit of gentleness. I want to walk through two irreverent, silly myths about gentleness with you that we tend to believe. The first myth about gentleness is that gentleness is feminine. We have come to the point that we think Gentleness is a personality trait that only the ladies in our midst should display or can display. That a biblical man would be too strong for that, too authoritative for that, too powerful for that. It would not be manly for a man to be gentle. But Friends, this is a myth. Now, I will want you to know that women are called to be gentle. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 4, Peter says, let, Ladies, let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which in God's sight is very precious. There is a trend today that is encouraging women to take things by force, right? But God says a gentle woman is precious. Care more about what God thinks than what our culture thinks, sisters. Paul says in 1 Thessalonians 2 verse 7, we were gentle among you, like a nursing mother taking care of her own children. It's a beautiful picture. We thank God for our mothers who show God's gentleness this way. But notice, who is Paul talking about here? Not a lady. He's talking about himself. He's talking about the apostles who have been preaching to the Thessalonians. He said, we were gentle. And friends, listen, Paul was one tough dude, the original cowboy. When he's talking about his life and what he's done for Jesus, listen to what he's gone through. 2 Corinthians 11, verse 24 to 28, Paul says, five times I received at the hands of the Jews the 40 lashes less one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I was adrift at sea on frequent journeys in danger from rivers, danger from robbers, danger from my own people, danger from Gentiles, danger in the city, danger in the wilderness, danger at sea, danger from false brothers, in toil and hardship through many a sleepless night, in hunger and thirst, often without food, in cold and exposure. And apart from these things, there is the daily pressure on me of my anxiety for all the churches. But as tough as Paul was to get through all of that, when he thinks of the Thessalonians and talks about them, he is like a mother 
at her preteen's bed saying, I remember when I could feed you in my arms. I remember how precious you were to me when I was changing your diapers. And that tough cowboy Paul could speak with that tender gentleness of a young mother. Because gentleness is not feminine. Brothers, 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 11. But as for you, O man of God, flee these things. Pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, steadfastness, gentleness. There's your prescription, brother. Want to be a man of God? Be these things. Paul has given Timothy a pep talk to pastor a tough church that is giving him all kinds of problems. And Paul says, do you want to be a man? This is what you need to be. The man of God runs after gentleness. Brother, whatever you think a man is, if you're not pursuing that kind of heart, that kind of spirit, that is not a man in God's own eyes. What do you think a man is? Brother, what kind of man do you want to be? What do you want to be known for? What kind of man do you want your daughter or your granddaughters to marry? We've said this over and over again in this series, friends. Be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Literally, change the way you think. I've seen this in myself. I'm just sharing you what I've learned. Recognize the flaws in your cultural discipleship. Here's what I mean by that. Consider all the ways you've been brought up and taught about being a man. Taught what a man is and recognize where that went wrong. Where do we get our instruction manuals? Action movies. It is Rambo and Rocky and the Terminator. John Wayne and Clint Eastwood. Vin Diesel. On and on and on. And that has been ingrained in us from the time that we were little kids and could hold a G.I. Joe or a Marvel Avenger. This is what a man is. Who do you look more like? Who do you look more like, brother? Rambo or Paul? When you're correcting your son or your grandson's Who do you sound more like, Dwayne the Rock Johnson or the Rock of Ages? We've got to put down this irreverent, silly myth that being a man is being violent, abusive, tough. Friends, Paul was tough, but he was also tender. Gentleness, friends, it's not feminine. Gentleness is not even masculine. 
Friends, the truth is gentleness is divine. A.W. Tozer famously once said that the most important thing about us is what comes to mind when we think about God. When I pray, nine out of ten times, this is how I pray. God, you are holy and sovereign and just. Almost every time. Are those things true? Amen. But what does that say about me, that that's the first three things that I pray? It says something. What does it say that I never pray, God, you are gentle? God, you are tenderhearted. God, you are slow to anger. God, you are patient with me. What do you first pray? Many, especially when we consider the Old Testament, we think God first is a God of anger and wrath. But then why do we love Psalm 23 so much? Psalm 23, verse 1. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. I think part of why we love that is because we get to see the gentleness of God. Elijah saw it. Elijah had just fought one tough battle with the prophets of Baal. And he runs to the mountain afraid of the queen. And he's experiencing this moment of depression in the middle of his victory. He thinks he's worthless, wants to die, God comes to visit him, and he doesn't say, Elijah, tough up. Be a man. Watch what God does. 1 Kings 19. God said, go out and stand on the mount before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by, and a great and strong wind tore through the mountains and broke in pieces the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, the sound of a low whisper. And God was there. In the midst of this valley, this low point, God is tender to Elijah like that young mother with her baby. It's not just God the Father, though. God the Son is gentle. When Zechariah, the Old Testament prophet, saw the day the Messiah would come, this is what he said in chapter 9. Zechariah said, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout aloud, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. Righteous and having salvation is he, humble, mounted on a donkey on a colt, the foal of a donkey. Zechariah didn't champion the overwhelming, omnipotent power of the Messiah. He heralds the humility of a king who would ride on a donkey 
And as Jesus proclaimed about himself, Matthew 11, verse 29, Jesus says, Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Why? For I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. God the Father is gentle. God the Son is gentle. God the Holy Spirit is gentle. We see that in Galatians 5. But look with me at Ephesians 4, verses 1 to 3. Paul says, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you, the church, to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. Paul is not writing to women in the book of Ephesians, right? Paul's writing to the entire church of Ephesus, and he says, if you want to maintain the unity the Spirit gives you with everyone else around you, one of the ways that you produce that unity is by being gentle. Brothers and sisters, one and all. Friends, men and women were created in the image of a gentle God. Men and women were saved by grace through faith in a gentle Christ. And men and women have been sealed and sanctified by a gentle Holy Spirit. Gentleness is not feminine. Gentleness is divine. There's another not unrelated, irreverent, silly myth that we need to talk about. Brothers and sisters, the second myth that we believe about gentleness is that gentleness is weak. But the truth is, gentleness is strength and control. Everything that we have just talked about should apply to this. Can we say that God the Father is weak? When he's gentle with Elijah? Can we say that God the Son is gentle when he saves us? Can we say that the the Holy Spirit is weak when it empowers us to be gentle with one another? I want you to see the power of gentleness. Proverbs 15 verse 1. A soft answer turns away wrath but a harsh word stirs up anger. Proverbs 25, verse 15. With patience, a ruler may be persuaded, and a soft tongue will break a bone. See, the lie that we believe, and often it's the brothers, but it's not just the brothers. The lie that we believe is that we have to amp up the power and amp up the volume to get our problems solved. But Solomon, the wisest brother who ever lived, said there's a better way. A soft answer is how you get the job done. A soft word will break a bone. Kindness will heat those coals on their head. And if you think that just sounds too soft and not something that you want to be a part of, you've got to consider where we see this action 
on display in the gentleness we see at the cross. 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 22 to 24, Jesus committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed. Friend, hear me. It wasn't weakness that kept Jesus' mouth shut. As they ragged on him and mocked him and made fun of him and spat on him, it wasn't cowardice that kept him from retaliating. It wasn't weakness that led Jesus to the point where he took our place. Friends, Jesus Christ is the soft answer that took God's wrath. Jesus is the one who came in humility so that he could be the gentle lamb who takes away the sins of the world. But the gospel does not stop at that gentle death. Romans 1 verse 4, Jesus was declared to be the Son of God in power according to the spirit of holiness by his resurrection from the dead. Jesus Christ our Lord. Friends, this is the power of salvation. This is the power of God to bring the dead to life. A gentle king dying in our place, and risen from the grave to give us life. Has that event changed your life to the point it's made you gentle? That's the point of this series, brothers and sisters. It's not, here's the things to do to get God's approval. Here's the things to do to get to heaven. Here's what you need to be to be a Christian. Friends, if you feel like that's what we're saying to you, you're getting the message backward. These traits, these characteristics, these fruits are the proof that God has saved you. The evidence that you are a believer. Friends, if you don't have love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and all of these to some degree and you don't see them increasing in your life, that's a very real indicator that everything you do at church is just a bunch of games. That if your life serving God in a church hasn't made you this kind of person, that what you have is a religion that's sending you to hell. And we've got a long history, a track record of performance. But brothers and sisters, when you look under the hood, you don't see a lot of fruit. That's what's happening now. God is pruning his church. He's pulling the weeds out, and what he's leaving are the fruitful ones. Not just here locally, but globally. People aren't leaving the church. Reality is being shown. They were never there to begin with because they never had the fruit of the Spirit. They were never changed. They were never saved. They walked up the aisle 20 times, but they never became loving and joyful and peaceful and patient and kind. And friends, I'm telling you, that's probably some of us still. We think if we show up, God will accept us. We think if we give, God will love us more. 
We think if we serve on this team or go on a mission trip that we'll earn our way in. And the gospel is that you do none of that. But because of what Jesus did in your place on the cross and in the resurrection, God accepts you as is. Forgives you for all of that performance. And produces in you, overwhelms your heart and spirit so that you innately become more like him. And so that over time, there's no possible way that 20, 30, 40 years later, as a true believer, you can say you're less gentle than you were. That you're less patient than you used to be. That's impossible because the Spirit is producing this fruit more and more so that we produce the the image of the glory of our Savior to one degree to the next. Friends, I am pressing this now because I want you to, to be before God. Wrestle with this. Has the Spirit ever done this kind of work in your life? Are you just playing some church game? Because you're not going to have the opportunity to tell God you didn't know. And you didn't have a chance because I'm putting it on you right now. Quit trying to be gentle. Recognize where you have been harsh, where you have been unloving. Repent and put your trust and faith in Jesus and his gentleness and his love and his grace and his patience and his kindness. And believe what he did for you in your place. And he will literally raise you up with him so that you are a new creation and cannot be the same. You must be born again. And we got to remember the truth. we got to remember that gentleness is divine and gentleness is strength and control. So friend, hear me. Do not count being gentle as weakness. Do not leave today and go home and think that if you're gentle with your spouse or your kids, if you're gentle with your coworkers tomorrow, that you are being some soft loser. Believe that gentleness is strength and control and has the chance to do more than you could do on your own strength. I want to give you some opportunities to put gentleness on display. Friend, when you are persecuted, be gentle. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15 to 16. But in your hearts... Honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet, do it with gentleness and respect, having a good conscience, so that when you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. Friends, when people come at you for believing in Christ, and they will. It's not a free pass to let them have it. It's not a green light to be politically incorrect and shove it back in their face. It's an opportunity for you to be gentle like Christ and take it. 
because your gentleness may be the reason they come to Christ. Friend, when you see someone sinning in church, show gentleness. Now, what I don't mean by that is say nothing. Galatians, same book we're in, chapter 6, verse 1. The very next section in this book, Paul says, Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. Another myth that we believe is that gentleness is avoiding trouble. And friends, we've got a track record in this church of avoiding some trouble and conflict. Not disciplining sin. Because we didn't want to push too many buttons. But true gentleness corrects in a way that Christ would. Paul says, if you're spiritual, if you have the Holy Spirit and the Spirit, the fruit that the Spirit gives you, you're not going to just watch them go on their own way and just let them go. You're going to go to them. You're going to tell them that you know and you've seen it, and you expect more from them because they have the Spirit too. But you're not going to go like some self-righteous Pharisee. You're going to go with gentleness because you know how messed up you are. And you know how much God has saved you from. And because that grace has happened in your life, you're sharing the opportunity with them. Brothers and sisters, with gentleness, respond to sin in the church. Another way that we need to show gentleness is in our relationships and how we give and make room and make concessions instead of making demands. We got to see this one. Because I, I feel like this is, this is an aspect that we lose sight of. 1 Thessalonians 2. I've read a verse here, but I want you to see the context. Verse 6. Paul says, Nor did we seek glory from people, whether from you or from others, Though we could have made demands as apostles of Christ. We could have done that. But we were gentle among you. Like a nursing mother taking care of her own children. So, being affectionately desirous of you, we were ready to share with you not only the gospel, but also our own selves, because you had become very dear to us. That picture of a mother feeding her baby it is about how a mother is sacrificial. And that may be tough. It may be challenging. She may be tired, but she cares about that baby. So she's going to give all the energy she has to get that baby fed. And she can make demands as the authoritative figure in that household, but she is going to give of herself to better that baby. And Paul is saying, look, I am Paul. And if I wanted to, I could make some stuff happen. If I wanted to, I could make you do all kinds of stuff for me. I am the apostle of grace. But that's not what I wanted. Instead of demanding, 
I gave you my time. I gave you my own life. I spent years with you when I could have been in Spain preaching to people who never heard. I gave you my energy. I gave you my resources. Brothers and sisters, when you come in here, when you relate to people here, do you come in with expectations that people meet your demands? Or do you come in with a heart that says, what can I give up? That's gentleness. The last way that we can show gentleness, brothers and sisters, it's going to sound ironic, it's going to sound wrong, but let me show you. The last way we can show gentleness is picking the right fight. I want to go back to another passage that we've read already and show you the context there. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 11 to 12. Paul says, but as for you, O man of God, remember this one? Flee these things, pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, steadfastness, gentleness. Fight the good fight. Can you just stop right there for a second? The two words that stand back to back are gentleness and fight. That's Holy Spirit inspired right there. Fight the good fight of the faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called and about which you made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. We take that phrase, fight the good fight, and we sell it off to anybody who wants to use it. So anybody who needs encouraged in our culture, we just say fight the good fight. That could be for teachers having a tough school year. That could be for people in the military fighting for our country. That could be anybody, but the context of this is for a pastor helping another pastor to stand for the gospel when people want to go away from it. And Paul is telling Timothy, fight the good fight of the faith. He's saying, focus on what matters most. Don't get caught up in those irreverent silly myths. Don't get caught up in those secondary things. Focus on yourself and your teaching. Fight the good fight. Where do you spend your energy fighting? On those secondary things everybody thinks so important? Or the good fight of the gospel? God brought you here to expose you to the way gentleness is supposed to show up in your life. And I have a question. Where has God given you a specific opportunity to grow? What is he calling you to do? Where is he expecting some fruit in your life? How can you look more like Christ with the spirit of gentleness? Only you before God can answer that question. Friend, gentleness does not fight fire with fire. Gentleness does not shy away from confrontation, but out of love speaks truth in hopes of repentance. Gentleness gives ground on things that don't ultimately matter so that things that truly do matter can flourish. Gentleness lets the power of God win the day through the paradox of the cross. 
we bear fruit, any of these, when we abide with God. So I'm going to give you some homework. Go be like Elijah. Go find you a cave. And uh, be alone with God. And ask him to show up and to visit you. And I guarantee you this, he will not show up in an earthquake. He will not show up in a great wind or a fire. He will show up in a whisper. And after you've sat with God and let him whisper into your heart, leave and whisper to others. Show them what the gentleness of Christ who saved you looks like by giving those soft answers that can break a bone. Show the tenderness of the nursing mother feeding her baby. Not so that people like you, but so that the power of God can work through that tenderness. Friends, gentleness is divine strength in control. Let's pray.